Hi, my name is Aisha Lee. I am the head of consumer insights for Open Signal, as well as founder and CEO of Start in the Beginning. A lot of companies are becoming much more progressive with allowing people to be themselves, but you got to claim it. No one's going to offer it to you. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Aisha. Thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Catherine. Of course, of course. I think this is going to be a really great conversation. Uh, And, you know, I have to start where I always start, which is, what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? When hasn't been a woman uh, been empowering for me? So in general, it's an empowering experience. And my identity is characterized by a few different intersections, being a woman, being a Black woman, a foreigner, a religious minority. And I have to say that being a woman empowers me to walk through all of those very gracefully, right? And I know as women, we've been sort of hardened over time. I mean, thousands of years of oppression followed by hundreds more of suppression. But I think sometimes we're forced to sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. And a really important aspect of my identity is is grace and giving grace. It's in my email signature, it's in everything I do. And I feel like as a woman, we're often um, sort of more taught grace and empathy. So if you take my coaching business, for example, I'm able to approach a really sensitive topic like public speaking and all the fears that come with that. I mean, it's paralyzing for some people, right? And I'm able to create an environment of understanding and belonging and grace, I think in great part because I am a woman. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know you mentioned that being a woman is only one way in which you are often the minority in situ- situations, especially tech situations. And I know that intersectionality is really important when we're talking about these kinds of things. Um, so I, you know, love having guests on who can kind of speak to all facets of diversity. I think that's really important, really important to re- yeah, remind absolutely. ourselves that the female experience is not the same for everyone for several reasons. And, you know, we think of feminism and the feminist movement as a very specific thing. And the truth is it only really, really helped a certain group of women um, in our country. So just really important to remember that. Um Also love that you help women with public speaking. That was a huge fear of mine when I was younger. I gave my graduation speech and like black, I did. And I apparently went fine, but I like blacked out and have had never had a memory of doing it. Like ever. You're being so modest right now. Were you the valedictorian, salutatorian or class president? So my, my school was weird and tiny. And, uh, although we had multiple campuses and I had to give the speech in front of all of the campuses. So we didn't really have a valedictorian in a traditional sense, but I was asked to do it. But now it's funny because now I moderate live events <laughs> for my company and I'm in videos and I do things like this, which I never thought I would do. So it's important um, to find your voice. And, and I know that's something you really care about and harnessing the power of your speech. And we're going to talk more about that. But first, I want to ask you, do you think it's important for women to allow their personal stories to inform how they offer support to their female colleagues? And how do you do that, if so? Because, we, you know, I just kind of mentioned it's not the same experience for everyone, but you have your own personal story. So how do you bring that to the support you show your colleagues? 
That's a great question. Uh, do I think it's important for women? Absolutely. I think in general, women specifically, we can all stand to be number one, more connected and number two, more honest. And number three, stand in the fullness of, of ourselves, of our identity, right? As women or as black women or as white women, whatever sort of, you know, identities that you strongly align with. And I think the most powerful thing you can do in this world is to be yourself, right? Or I'll caveat that by saying to, to be the, the best version of yourself, the exemplary version of yourself. And for me, that is the way that one of the ways in which I offer support, right? Because just showing up in your authentic self gives other people the permission to do so as well. I'll give you a quick example, right? And this is going to be a little bit of a silly one, but I remember when I first started working in corporate settings and I walked in, you know, I'm pretty green. I did the transition from uh, sort of industry work or what some would call blue collar work to corporate settings. And I walked in my first day and everybody was in like gray and blue and black. And I was like, what is this? This is horrible. I'm from Senegal, West Africa, where culture is uh, underlined, bolded by loud colors and so much beauty in terms of like, I mean, we peacock, all right? We peacock when we, when we dress up. And so I just remember seeing this and being like, this isn't me, but let me try to conform. Let me do what I do when in Rome do as the Romans. Um, and that was suffocating until I just decided, no, this is not who I am. So I started wearing florals and lots of colors. And I remember specifically one day, a female coworker who was much more senior than I came in and she just had this pep in her step. And she looked at me, she goes, look at my shoes. And she was wearing these really pretty red heels. And you could tell that maybe something in her was unlocked, right? So I share that because it's such a small and tiny way in which if you show up in your authentic self, you're able to give other women the permission to do that, right? Uh, but also checking on on one another. One thing that I do is I do well-being check-ins with with my coworkers, my female coworkers specifically, because I don't think that's something that's expected in the workplace. And so, number one, be genuine about it. But if you want to be, I think, unforgettable in any setting, do the unexpected. Do those things that are just come very natural to us as humans. But for some reason, when we're in the workplace, we think we can't do or shouldn't do. I mean, everything, you know, within reason and respect to HR, of course, and other people's boundaries, but be a good human and lead with that. And I think we're excellent at that as women. Yeah, actually, that kind of professionalism is a very interesting thing. I've been very interested in that concept lately because it's something that I always thought was important, which of course it is. It's, it's important to be professional, but I'm also realizing how much that's been used as a tool to limit people's authentic selves or to uh, kind of continue practices that are discriminatory, basically. You know, we talk about hair that's professional. And if you actually really start to look at what that means, we talk about what is appropriate to talk about at work, meaning I can't talk about some things related to my pregnancy, for example, in some workplaces that's not considered appropriate. And so I, I think... COVID has helped with that. Bringing, having to bring people into each other's homes and lives has helped with that. But I think this whole idea of not professional can absolutely be used as a weapon. So yeah. I, I, bright colors, you know, are often not considered professional, which is ridiculous. But um, so I think that's all really important. Actually, it's funny how often color comes up in my these conversations I have with women on this podcast, how they talk yeah. about 
you know, they realize one day they're going to stand out anyway in this mm-hmm. field. Why not kind of lean into that? <laughs> and exactly. one way to do that, right. Exactly. I was just having a conversation with um, a younger colleague who I identified as Muslim because she veils. I'm also a practicing Muslim, but I don't veil, so it's not as easy to point me out. And we had a conversation. I reach out a lot to just, let's have coffee, let's talk, especially to younger colleagues, because I feel like I was there, right? Not that that long ago, and especially making that transition from, I don't like to call it blue collar, but like industry work to corporate settings. They need more help than um, than they let on. And so we were just talking about you know her identity and her faith and where that fits in. And um, I started just sharing, not advising, but just sharing my personal story of how, you know, I didn't necessarily always show up authentically as a Muslim in the workplace to the place, the point where when I was working um, at Comcast at, at some point, I would take my prayer mat to work with me, right? And I had to see someone else model that behavior so that I could do it. But now that I'm doing it, I have a responsibility to share that, to say, you can do it too. It's okay. Talk with your boss, talk with your, you know, your leader and figure out if you can carve out the day to do that. We have meditation rooms now, and and a lot of companies are becoming much more progressive with allowing people to to be themselves, but you got to claim it. No one's going to offer it to you. Yeah. And work is such a massive part of people's day and lives. So the idea that you have to spend all those hours not acknowledging all those parts of you is is pretty absurd (laughs) and unrealistic and it's why people leave the workforce it's why you know so thank you for all that uh like I said uh you have this this concept of harnessing the power of your own speech that I know is really important to you can you tell us more about what that really means and how you think it directly helps women get ahead in their career yeah, absolutely. So we have this thing right here uh, that we use literally thousands of times a day. I think the average, I don't know who counted, but somebody said that we speak about 7,000 words a day on average, right? And that's probably on the lower end for me because I'm quite chatty. <laughs> um, so we use this instrument all the time, and yet we don't really spend a lot of time harnessing the power of this instrument and thinking about not only how it impacts us and our careers, but how we can use it to empower others as well. And so, you know, for me, harnessing the power of your speech is becoming a better speaker, but from the lens of focusing on how to be better understood. We all have this deep fear of being misunderstood or misjudged. It's really at the root of public speaking is like, ah, what if what I am thinking and what I am saying is not connected with the ear of the person who's listening? And for women, it's doubly um, conflicting because we've been taught to be silent for so long. And one of the byproducts of that is that we've now conflated this idea of humility and being humble with timidity, right? And the two are just not the same. And I talk about this a lot in my speaking engagements and trying to detangle that thought that you can speak up, you can talk about your accomplishments and you can still identify as someone that is humble. And the key is talking about yourself and your accomplishments within the context of a greater good or how you're helping to make the world a better place or your workplace or whatever. It can be a tiny little microcosm, right? But I think that we as women struggle a lot with positioning ourselves as strong, particularly intellectually, because we confound that with being, so that timidity with being um, humble. 
Yeah, absolutely. And being humble is definitely something women seem to be very concerned about because it doesn't seem to serve us very well when we're or historically it hasn't served us very well when we're confident (laughs) but it usually serves men pretty well when they're confident since you're the head of consumer insights at open signal and we're a telecom publication and i try to keep most of these episodes pretty tech focused i do have to ask you as as my last question if there are, are any interesting telecom consumer trends you can share with us anything you've been particularly focused on lately yeah, I love talking tech. So we can we can talk tech all you want. Um, so I can't give any secret sauce because we at Open Signal greatly pride ourselves on being an independent source of insights, and we power the work of some of the most powerful telecom companies in the world. But I can share with you um, some publicly available information that maybe you haven't ran across yet. We have pretty robust consumer insights capability. So we reach out to 30,000 households every single quarter. And that sample is refreshed. And we get a pulse of not just what is happening in the market, but why, particularly in regards to switching behavior. So what we learned was that um, the importance of strong network experience, which we know anecdotally, but what we saw was that for households with a really high likelihood of switching broadband providers in the next three months, because we want to sort of better understand from a prediction perspective, speed and performance is either the first or the second most important driver, uh, far ahead of other factors like poor customer service or bundling, um, or even switching to a wireless only service, which we hear a lot of telecom companies talk about, like, oh, you know, people are going uh, wireless only or mobile only. But really by far, it's speed and performance. And it holds true whether the household um, is uh, a telco company, is fiber to the home, or even fixed wireless access. This has been really great. So Aisha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to me a little bit about tech, a little bit about your journey and, and how you help support your coworkers. I think that's all really important. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 